0: All right, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4 today, and uh, this is part 2 of last Sunday's sermon, and uh, I pray that it'll be a blessing to you. As we get into these verses from verse 4 to verse 7 of Philippians chapter 4, he dwells a great deal on this realm of prayer and how prayer and the peace of God go work to, to, together to bring us a kind of confidence, a kind of hope, a kind of assurance, uh, and also a courage, a very special courage uh, that uh, the world cannot give. Um, As we studied last Sunday, Jesus said to the disciples, My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, but my peace I give unto you. So God's peace is a very special kind of peace. We discovered last Sunday that it's incomprehensible. It's beyond comprehension. In other words, it's transcendent. God's peace is not just of this world, but it's from heaven to us. God is a God of peace. God wants you to be at peace, too. And uh, we've learned that this society we live in and the days in which we live, we are the most anxious uh, decade uh, that's ever been. Our, Our anxiety meter is maxed out. And, um, and so God is coming to us and speaking to us through Jesus Christ to say to us, I want you to have my peace. And that's been true for every generation that's ever lived. Every generation deals with anxiety. It's not abnormal that you may be anxious. It's not that there's something wrong with you that you may deal with anxiety. Uh, for Jesus preached about it in the very first sermon that he preached. In Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount begins uh, Jesus' message, and he talks about anxiety. He talks about our uh, uncertainty about what we will uh, eat, what we will wear, where we will live. And Jesus said, God loves you. God is a giving and generous God. He is a heavenly Father to you and me, and he wants you to have what you need. He doesn't just create us and leave us in this world to exist and do the best we can. He's here to take care of us. He is like a good shepherd. He is, uh, he is a shepherd to us. He is aware of even when the uh, uh, sparrow falls. That's how important you and I are to Holy God who made us and created us in his image. We're the only portion of creation that was created in the image of Holy God. And God, who is peace, wants us to have His peace as we live our life. I often say at funerals, I preach from John chapter 14, the first sermon Jesus preached was about anxiety. The last message Jesus gave was about anxiety. And so these two bookends, Jesus dealt with because in our human existence, we too deal with anxiety. And the good news is this, and I hope you'll be encouraged today. The good news is this. God wants you to have his peace. And peace is not the absence of conflict. We talk about peace in the Middle East, meaning a ceasefire or the absence of conflict. And that's not the kind of peace God is talking about. He's talking about hope, a serenity, an assurance, uh, an encouragement that says, I'm going to be okay because God is taking care of me in whatever trial in whatever circumstance I'm going through, I can have that peace that is transcendent, that peace that is eternal, because God himself is eternal, and he is giving us his peace. And I can have that peace that doesn't go away. Just because my circumstances change doesn't mean that I will lose this peace. This peace is faithful. God's peace is faithful to us. So that was kind of point one from last Sunday, and then uh, today we go into point two, from this message to talk about the peace, uh, God's prescription for for peace that He wants us to have. So, if we will, let's look at verses four through seven again, uh, talking about the peace of God. This is God's prescription for peace. Apostle Paul is writing now from jail, from um, prison, perhaps uh, house arrest, or or wherever he was in Rome. He knows he's going to die soon. Uh, He knows that Caesar is not going to give him a pass, but is going to probably execute him. He is looking back over some of the best experiences that he had in his church planning career. He had three missionary tours where he founded churches, and one was at Philippi. And he loved this congregation. There was just something special about them. And from prison, he talks about joy. In fact, this whole letter, if you could use one word to describe this entire letter, it's the word joy, the word joy. Can you imagine? I'm in prison, and I have joy. <laughs> I'm in prison, and I'm, I'm probably going to be executed soon, but I have joy. Uh, I'm in prison, and I'm a long way from the people I love the most at, at uh Philippi, if I could just be there to have one of those chicken dinners that they had, you know, back in the day. If I could just be there when they had church. If I could just be there to hug those people and tell them thank you for being faithful to the gospel. But yet, I'm confined. I can't go anywhere. And the only people that I have to talk to are the visitors who come to me like Timothy and Paphroditus and others uh, who, who may come and visit with Paul. I'm so alone and I'm here by myself. And I'm chained to a guard, but yet I have joy. Yet I have joy. Now, when I, when I get anxious or when I feel sorry for myself or when I feel like I'm alone or, or nobody really understands me, I go back to this book of the Bible, and it encourages me to focus in upon how to have this kind of peace and joy. And it has everything to do with my conversation and relationship with holy God, who is my peace. Rejoice in the Lord always, Paul said. Again, I say, rejoice. Somebody said, if you hear it in stereo, you need to listen. And so twice he says it, if you will, in stereo, rejoice in the Lord at all times. Now, I'm going to bring that word always into this idea of praying always. Paul uh, would often say, pray without ceasing. So rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be known to everybody. In other words, the peace that you have from Christ in your relationship with God spills out. Uh, You can't hide this kind of peace. People want to know, why are you different? What is it about you that sets you apart from the rest of the world, how is it that you can have peace when others are panicking? Let your forbearing spirit be made known to all men, for the Lord is near. Remember we said last Sunday, God is nearer, hear this now, in case it didn't sink in last Sunday, maybe it'll sink in today. God is nearer to us than we are to ourselves. Because God's Holy Spirit rules and reigns in our life. He knows every thought, He knows every emotion, He knows every deed, He knows every intention, He knows us better than we know ourselves, and He is closer to us than we are to ourselves. That has a lot to do with this sense of, you know, when we're around other people, we put our best foot forward. You've heard that expression. We we want people to know that the best part of us, that's really kind of a pseudo-self, a false self. We kind of project that image on other people. But Jesus looks to the authentic and real and genuine you. And he sees you for who you really are. We can't hide anything from him. And when we are anxious, when we have those feelings of anxiety, he is so well aware of it, so well aware of it. The Lord is near. So in verse 6, you don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be anxious. Um, There's a church in Brentwood, uh, Tennessee, I believe it is, the pastor, every Sunday, he says this to to the congregation. God doesn't want anybody to leave here anxious. He says it every Sunday. God doesn't want anybody to leave here anxious. And hear that. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer. Supplication, that means uh, you are uh, offering to God what your prayer requests are. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the irene of God, irene ho theo, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The key to peace with God is prayer. Just pure and simple. And what is Prayer. Prayer is a constant conversation with holy God. That's what it is. Now, when you think about your prayer life, you think, oh, I forgot to pray this morning. Um, Oh, I I, I didn't set aside, or maybe I haven't gotten around to having this half-hour prayer meeting with God. Or or maybe you're thinking, I I prayed this morning, but my prayer just kind of goes to the ceiling, and it doesn't seem to go any farther than that. Uh, the good news about that is God's at the ceiling, too. So even if it felt, felt like my prayer just goes to the ceiling, God's right there, too. He hears your prayer. Now, there are things in our life that can hinder us from, from experiencing God's response to our prayer, but God hears, God hears your prayer. Prayer is conversation with God. It's simply talking to Holy God. Because God, who lives in you through the power of the Holy Spirit, knows your mind, knows your thoughts, knows your deeds, knows you better than you know yourself. So Paul is saying to us, when anxiety begins to take control, now we all live with anxiety, we can manage it or it manages us. And part of managing anxiety is including a spiritual discipline called prayer. Now, spiritual discipline. What in the world is that? Well, worship is a spiritual d- discipline that you're practicing right now t- 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 today. Prayer is a spiritual discipline. This conversation with God, reading and studying your Bible is a spiritual d- discipline. And some people really, really explore the spiritual disciplines in a great way—meditation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, et cetera. But these are the spiritual disciplines. Now. It's not the spiritual disciplines that brings the power of God in your life. They are like conduits. They're like conduits. And through the spiritual exercises of prayer and devotion, God begins to take control of us. And as God begins to take control of us, we begin to manage the anxiety that's in our life. So what is prayer? Prayer is talking to God. Prayer means that we have a praise-centered mindset about our God. Prayer is praise. As we praise God, we worship Him in praise, this is an act of prayer. Giving thanks to God in this passage of Scripture is one of the key ways to experience this kind of praise to Almighty God. Now, I hear a lot of comments about uh, praise and worship and, and people, you know, don't quite get into that. They have another way of w- worshiping God. But, you know, when you get to heaven, that's about all we're going to do. And if praising God is uncomfortable, can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? Christ is going to be the focus of our attention And our praise and glorifying Him will be for all of eternity. So to begin in the exercise of prayer, we begin by praising the Lord. The Bible says, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all to the glory of God. That's why we exist. That's why we are here. That's why we're on the earth, to bring glory and praise unto God. And in order to find your place and purpose in life, we begin to understand our place and purpose in life through praising our Lord and giving Him thanks. When we do that, this peace of God begins to bleed into us. It begins to uh, take more and more control of our feelings, our attitude, and after our feelings and attitude, our deeds Follow after that. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, Paul said, Let the peace of Christ, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. Let it take over. Uh, Let it have its way. And praise is the door that opens to the peace of God. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be grateful. Be grateful. The open door to peace has a lot to do with gratitude. Gratitude and thanksgiving is how God has wired us so that we will be in tune with him and experience his peace and his grace in our life. What does this gratitude do for us? Great gratitude will change your life. In fact, gratitude can save your life. It's the ungrateful heart it's the ungrateful heart that misses the benefits of, of uh, peace of God. It's the ungrateful heart that's, that suffers. It's the ungrateful heart that misses the blessings in this life that God wants to give to us. One of the benefits of this attitude of prayer and praise and gratitude to God is that it takes the focus off of our and our struggles. Because When we get anxious, we're focused on what our struggle is. When anxiety kind of takes over us, we begin to have the disaster attitude, the train wreck attitude. Um, I mean, some people get to where they they think life is all about predicting where the train wreck's going to happen. As if there were a prize for it. And as long as you focus on what your struggle is and what the negative... Uh, Impact it's going to have as you focus on the negative your anxiety will rise and rise and rise so the way to overcome this rising anxiety that wants to control us is to raise the gratitude side and as we grow in gratitude and thanksgiving to god we're focusing less upon our struggle and more upon the god who knows our struggle Now, last Sunday, I talked about a word. I talked about a word in this passage of Scripture that has to do with God going before us. And it's in in verse 7. He said, The peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word guard is two words one that means pro, means go before, and the other means sentinel, meaning to see ahead of. God goes before us and knows what is ahead of us when we don't know what is ahead of us. Tomorrow, the next day, or the day after. And that's why Jesus said, let your mind focus upon today, not the worries of tomorrow. Because God's in the tomorrow. Let me say that again. God is in your tomorrow. And He knows where you're headed. He knows what's coming in your life. And so he not only knows the future, but he's protecting you in the future that you dread or think the worst is going to happen. But instead, God says, I'm with you in this. And I'm covering you. I am keeping you. I am protecting you. I am with you even when you don't know what's ahead in the future. And the word for guard is the word garrison. And it means that God and his heavenly armies are uh, coming with us to protect us from the evil of this world that's trying to destroy us. The thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So to have an attitude of gratitude means that we are thanking God for today and his grace for today. His grace that was faithful yesterday and that He is the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And He's going to take care of us. And He's got this. If we will but follow, if we will but but obey, and let Him have it. Well, now, I can preach that all day long. Let go and let God. I've heard that all my life. And yet, I'm probably one of the most anxious people you've ever met in your life. It's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? Just let go and let God. And then I roll over and I bring it back to myself again, you know? Um, So it's a challenge for all of us to say, God, you were faithful yesterday. You're faithful to me right now. And God, I'm trusting that you're faithful tomorrow as well because you have not changed you're the same glorious God who loves me, who is providing for me, who knows what I'm uh, dealing with right now, and you're gonna be faithful to come through. This kind of gratitude also fosters awareness of God's provision and his activity around us right now. If you'll just look a little more carefully at your circumstances, you'll find more things to praise God for. And and that list is gonna get longer and longer and longer as you begin to meditate on the blessings that God has given you. So that's one of the glorious things. Also, it builds up a resilience in us about God's future provision for us. Resilient people have hope. Let me say that again. Resilient people, people who bounce back, people when they fall, they get up, people who when they make an error say, please forgive me, and they start doing it right. Uh, People who rebound, if you will, have hope, and hope is all about the future, and hope is about saying, God, I believe that you're providing for me in the future as well as you have in the past and in the present, so God's incomprehensible peace begins to prevail in us, and we have more peace uh, that passes understanding. I read a quote this week about peace, and it goes like this, or about prayer, rather, and how God gives us peace. The little quote says, little prayer, little peace. Much prayer, much peace. So we need to be praying. Now, here in this passage of Scripture, he says, um, The Lord is near. Rejoice in the Lord always. And in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. When should we pray? How about this? All day long. Now, all throughout the day, if you will notice, you're having a conversation with yourself. You're talking to yourself all the time. That's the voice that you're hearing all the time, is you talking to you. Your, your brain is always, you know, you're talking to yourself all day long. Can you somehow transition that to talking to God all day long? Can you somehow make the transition and have a conversation with God that just kind of goes all day long? You say, well, uh, I don't know anything profound to say. Well, how about giving God thanks? How about talking with God about your circumstances that you're in right now? Uh, How about talking to God about the next trip you've got to take? I know when we traveled to Georgia and back and traveled to Cleveland and back, traveled to Baton Rouge and back just in the last two or three months, we literally prayed, God, you've got to guide us because these trucks and these cars are going like this on the interstates and, uh, you know, my anxiety is way up here. I even apologized to God for getting on the highway. I said, Lord, if you just let me get home safely, I won't ever do this again. But uh, just that running conversation with God all day long. Back in the 17th century, a monk who was born in 1611 was a monk at a a monastery in Paris. And uh, he came to be known as Brother Lawrence. And uh, Brother Lawrence was not noted for being, being too bright. But uh, he was welcomed in the uh, monastery with the, with, the, with the priest. He wasn't a priest. He was one of the lay people in the m- m- monastery there. So they gave him some mundane jobs. He, he did a lot of the cooking. He washed a lot of the pots and the pans. But he was a prayer warrior because he developed this idea that prayer is not when you get on your knees to pray a certain time of the day But it's a conversation you have with God while you're washing the pots and pans. Brother Lawrence, he he became known as. He wrote a book that is still in print today. Over 20 million copies have been sold of this book called The Practice of the Presence of God. Let me quote one little phrase he gives in that book. Brother Lawrence says, meaning to the Lord, he does not ask much of us, Merely a thought of Him. Now think about that. God doesn't ask much of us just that we think about Him. Out of that statement, out of that spirit, He developed this idea that to love someone, you have to know them. And what was the great commandment our Lord gave to us? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and your neighbor as yourself. And Brother Lawrence developed this this theological idea that was transformational while he's washing pots and pans that said in order to love God, you have to know God. And the way to know someone is to have a conversation. And it's through that daily conversation while you're doing the mundane that Brother Lawrence developed this this theology of the presence of God through conversational prayer. And I think there's a lot that we can learn from Brother Lawrence while you're mowing the yard, while you're trimming the bushes, while you're at work and, and you're doing mundane things, while you're washing the clothes. While you're cooking supper, or lunch, or dinner, or when you eat out, continue that conversation with Holy God. So let me encourage you in the last minute that we have here to pray using a couple of guidelines. Pray using the word prayer, or pray rather, P-R-A-Y. In other words, let there be praise. Let R stand for repentance. Let A stand for ask, and let Y stand for yield. Maybe that little acronym can, can help you to pray during the day. Praise, repent, ask, yield. Um, one of my favorites is the word ACTS, A-C-T-S. Uh, let, let our prayer uh, start with adoration or praise, and then the time of confession, And then the time of thanksgiving and gratitude. And lastly, supplication, which means, here are my requests. And most of all, pray the Lord's Prayer. And I hope that it's catching on here at Ekron. I I sense that it is. um, But pray the Lord's Prayer. It's the prayer that God always answers. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.